Dear Heavenly Father, God, I'm just so grateful for who you are and all that you do and that you are a provider of all of our needs. I pray today as we are giving um, that God, you will just remind us of that God, that, that the precious gift of, of the, the money that we've, we have is from you um, and that it all stems back to you, that you'll help us to remember God, that uh, it's such an honor and a joy to give. Um, and I pray that you will just bless our offering and our tithes, God, and uh, that you will be with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Pastor Sam is out of town this week. He is celebrating a grandchild's birthday up in Pittsburgh. So um, I get the honor of bringing the word for us all today. So um, I wanted to start off this message talking about exercising. Anybody love exercising? Sometimes. There was a lovely hike we went on, a group of us from the church went on yesterday that I adored. Um, Jerry was very surprised that I liked and I was good at hiking. He must not follow me on Facebook, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I love to exercise, but I'm not very consistent at exercising. So it's like one of those things where my exercise, if I'm regularly exercising, determines, will, will show you if I'm like in a healthy place or not, because when I'm not in a healthy place, exercise is one of the first things to go. Or if I'm in a very busy season, I just get rid of the exercise. I'm like, there's no way I could do that. And the irony of that is, in those moments, exercise would bring me the relief I'm looking for, right? Um, but I, uh, there's a pastor that, um, I cannot recall his name, he used to tell this like example of a guy on a treadmill running. And if you guys ever like worked out at the gym and you're like in the line of treadmills or whatever machine you're on and you're looking to the neighbors to your right and left and you're watching them work out and you're like, oh, so they're at number five. I'm going to get to number six. You know, they're, they're at the incline. They're a little bit higher. I'm going to get a better incline. You guys do that? Anybody a little bit? Yeah, yeah, totally. I am a super competitive in all of the things. And it's actually really nice, helps push me more when I'm exercising with groups and I've actually learned that I need to do that. Well, today we're talking about the idea of playing it safe, the cost of playing it safe. And a lot of times, um, I just wanna set this up for you. A lot of times when we're looking at our neighbors when we're exercising, or even when we're driving down the road and we're looking at the person in the car next to us, it distracts us from where we're going, right? The, the comparison of the people around us and what they're do us, doing distracts us from where we're going. And sometimes even if you are pushing yourself to get better than and uh, Fred, who's next to you, or Bob, we actually have a Fred at church. Well, he's not here today, but Bob next to you, um, if you're distracted by him, then you might end up pulling a leg, like a muscle in your leg or something because you're so worried about beating them that you forget to listen to your body and what your body actually needs. And today we're going to talk about the cost of playing it safe, not in your way of looking at what the people are doing around you, but how you're looking at yourself and what God is asking you to do. Not Bob, but you. So today, my friends, uh, I encourage you not to nudge your neighbor when you feel like it applies to them, but really listen in to how this might apply to you. <laughs> so Jesus didn't die to keep you safe. He didn't die to keep me safe. He died to make us dangerous. He died to open a whole new world of opportunity to us. It's not a fascinating statement. He died to make us dangerous. 
I think of uh, in the book of Acts, uh, Peter and John are standing before the Sanhedrin and they have just given this crazy passionate speech about who Jesus is. And the Sanhedrin men are looking at each other and they're like, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note because they knew that these men had been with Jesus. When we spend time with Jesus, people are astonished because they're like, there's something different about them. So this past week, uh, these past few weeks, we have been in this series uh, called The Magnified Life. And we've been talking about uh, the parable of the bags of gold, or maybe you've heard it, the parable of the talents. The first week we talked about how God gives us opportunities, right? He, he hands us, in their case, a bag of gold, a bag of talents for them to use as they could. He gives us opportunities in our daily life and everything that we do, we have a choice to honor God or not honor God, right? The other thing, the next week we talked about faithfulness and how God gives us those opportunities and we have a choice to be faithful to him and to follow him. And so if you recall in this story, there was three servants that were given bags of gold and two of them chose to be faithful. Well, God has blessed each of us with ability and opportunity to be faithful with all that he has for us. And it's up to us to determine how we will use our ability and how we are going to act on our opportunities. So in the passage, there was the two servants, right? So the master comes to him and he says, I'm gonna give you some money. And he gave them money according to their ability, which I think is really interesting. So he gave the first servant five bags of gold, gave the second servant two bags of gold, and he gave the last servant one bag of gold. So what happened to the five bags of gold, you remember? Yes, it was doubled. And then the two bags of gold, it was doubled. So the last bag of gold, let's talk about in scripture what happened to it. So if you would turn your Bibles with me to Matthew 25, verses 24 through 30, it's on the screen too. It says this, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So what did he do? He hid it in the ground. Says his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Then it says for whoever has, has, will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man. So in response to the religious leaders, we were given this parable. In response to how the religious leaders of the time were working out their, their religion. We get this parable. See, Jesus is sitting here and he's talking to the disciples and he's saying to them, this is how the religious leaders live, but I am calling you to something different. I'm calling you to something more. Jesus is telling them one day, and we, we read this in the parables that are previous to this, one day I'm going to be gone. 
and things are gonna look very different. And I want you to follow and lead others in the way that I have called you to and to a different way than the religious leaders of the day are doing. And so when I'm looking at this passage, and this is typically what I do when I write a sermon, is I will read it on my own without any other context than just me reading it. And I will write down my observations, I'll write down my questions. And these are the things that I thought were interesting. It seems as if this servant has a little bit of an attitude problem. Did you catch that? Man, I remember when my mom would say that to me, she's like, you have an attitude problem. I'm like, no I don't, as I say with an attitude. And you know, the irony is that this servant was afraid that he was going to not do what the master asked him to do. And the irony is that what he was afraid of happening happened, right? What he was afraid would happen is that the master would be mad at him for messing up and ruining this opportunity to make more money. And he was. The other thing that I thought was interesting, and I, I actually asked Jesus um, in my, when I was reading, I wrote down in my journal, why is it that there's not a fourth example? I would have liked there to be an example of two people doing an okay job, you know, doubling their money, whatever. An example of somebody who was too afraid to do anything. And then I would have liked an example where someone like went extravagantly above and beyond what they were supposed to do. And then it completely failed them. I would have liked that to be added into this parable because then it would have made me feel better that God doesn't necessarily want us to do, uh, go the easy way out, but he doesn't want us to go like the too much way out. But the reality is, and this is what I felt like the Lord spoke to me when I, when I asked him that question, was any time that he asks you to invest, there's always a return on that investment. There's always a return. The thing is, is the return looks differently but there's always a return. And the, you know, because that there was only one negative example in this parable, I really believe that Jesus wanted his disciples and us to hone in on that one example. It shows us exactly what Jesus wanted to convey, that we must live aware. We must live aware of the things that he's given us and how we use those resources, how we use those gifts, how we use the opportunities in our life. Live aware of every single opportunity given to us. And here's how I think that we can live aware. The first one, if you're taking notes, would be there's a day of accountability in your future. It says in uh, Matthew 25, 24, then the man who had received on the bag of gold came and he said, master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. You see, I think that there are two different types of consequences. I think about this a lot when I work with kids, that there are two different types. There's the type of consequences that come from somebody outside, like a person around you, maybe a boss or in the, in, you know, a kid like, there's consequences that come where you get grounded or you know, something gets taken away or your boss t- comes and talks to you. The other type of consequences are natural, right? They're the ones that a kid is playing near a stove and so they touch the hot stove and it burns them. The natural consequences that come a lot. And I know a lot of parenting gurus will tell you that your, your human consequences should look like natural consequences. So um, I actually, last year, uh, 
so one, part of my job is I work with uh, our apprenticeship program. And so a lot of interns, we've got five that currently work at our church. And it's like, I love working with him, with these five young adults and just helping disciple them into the image of Christ is just one of my favorite things I do every day. And uh, when I worked with them last year, they, they ended up messing up about something. And I was like, what do I do? How do I help them to see that like what they did was not helpful? And you know, and I just, all of you parents out there, I'm just so impressed. Sometimes I feel like I'm parenting them I'm not, I'm their boss, but sometimes it feels like that. And I just know that you guys are really being thoughtful of how you help your kids learn how to live. And I, I think that's so wonderful. And in this moment, I, I really felt that is what would be really helpful, what would be beneficial to them. And so actually um, what we ended up doing is I made them set up Monday night church, but I made everybody in the group, the ones that messed up, the ones that didn't mess up, and myself. <laughs> we all set up Monday night church, and, we, uh, and I told them, when we win together, we win together. When we lose together, we lose together. And it, to help them remember that. And the thing is, is that like, that was their consequence, and I tried my best to make it a natural consequence. But in life, there are two different ways. And um, the consequences that happen in our life it's always going to happen. We're always going to have a choice and we're always going to have a consequence to that choice, a good consequence or a bad consequence, right? Um, natural consequence, I know what the consequence will be if I eat a slice of cake. Now, did I eat a slice of cake last night at a birthday party? Yes. Was I sick afterwards? Yes. You know, we, we know as adults especially what those consequences are going to be. In 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, it says, for no one can lay the foundation other than, than the one who, other, who already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring light, bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each, other, each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will receive a reward. <laughs> you see, the only work that matters is the one that Jesus has called us to. So my question is, how are you living your life today? Will you be reaping good consequences or bad consequences. Looking in the Bible, I think about Samson and how Samson reaped a lot of bad consequences through his life, right? He, uh, he kept on falling into uh, temptation over and over again, and it really messed him up to the point where at the end of his life, he stood blind and about ready to die for his consequences, right? And it was like just at the end, he decided to do the right thing. And then I look at Daniel. We, we talked about him a few weeks ago. We went through a whole series on Daniel, right? Daniel is the opposite. Most of his life, he, he made good choices and he had really good consequences. Like he didn't die when the lions, when he was with the lions, right? He uh, got stronger when he chose to eat healthier rather than what the, the king wanted him to do. Daniel had a lot of good consequences in his life. And I think it's a good parallel is which one are we a lot like? Are we like Samson or Daniel? Now, granted, we don't have the strength like Samson, but I bet we have a lot of the same temptations he has. And the second point is this. Fear is a limiting factor that can rob you of potential and possibilities. Isn't that interesting? Fear 
is a limiting factor. It limits us. It says in Matthew 25, 25, so I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. I find it interesting that he said he was afraid and instead of like taking the consequences and be like, man, this might've been a mistake, but I was just a little bit afraid. I was concerned. So I decided to hide it. You know, I know that might not have been the best way to use my time, but I hid it because I, he instead said, because of your high expectations, I hid my gold that you gave me. He casts blame on the master because of those high standards. His misconception of the master, because we saw with the other two that because they, they doubled it, and it's not necessarily because they doubled it, but because they decided to do something with it, that he had good response to them. But because of his misconception of the master, it led him astray. If he would have truly known the master, because if you haven't already picked up on this, the master's God, and we're the servants, right? If he, hadn't tru- if he had truly known the master, he would have operated out of love instead of out of obligation or out of fear. That fear limited him from the possibilities in his life. When we choose to let fear rule our lives, it stems from a misconception of who God really is of what he is really asking us to do, of who he is asking us to be. In my uh, personal Bible reading, I've been reading through the book of Ezekiel. And if you know anything about Ezekiel, you know he's a prophet. And you know that Ezekiel was called by God to give prophecies to the nation of Israel, right? And his prophecies were very dramatic. He like lied to a next, next to poop for a year. He, he did the strangest things. Um, But the thing that I just find appalling is God, when God said to Ezekiel that he was going to prophesy, he said, they're not going to listen to you. You're going to say all of these things. You're going to walk in truth all of these years and not once will they listen to what you say. It is going to go bad for them. Yet I still want you to do that. And I find it appalling because I don't know about you, but a lot of times I put myself in the shoes of the people that is in the Bible. And if God said that to me, I'd like want to throw something at him and then walk away because that sounds terrible. But the thing is, is I really believe that, you know, Ezekiel, he did live a hard life. He had to do something that was really hard and People didn't listen to him. They didn't listen to what he was saying to them. But the thing is, is that the, the trust that I know that I have in God, that God is going to um, prepare me and equip me for where he's calling me to be, means that Ezekiel probably also felt the same way and knew that even if this is going to be the case, he's not gonna look at um, his success by whether or not people listen to him, but by his obedience. And so I really believe that even though Ezekiel probably had a really hard life, he was probably also really content and happy in the fact that he was following God's will for his life. And even though it might not look like on the outside that um, it's going to turn out well, We're not using our own ruler to measure life, right? We're using God's. 
So I, when I was uh, thinking about this passage, I was thinking about uh, my roommate. Uh, she does uh, gardening. She likes to plant like vegetables and stuff and you know in the spring when they're and we harvest them it's lovely I love being a part of this household because I get like all of the fruits of her labor (laughs) vegetables really but um I remember a few years ago she uh it was like winter time and she went and picked up all of the seeds that she was going to use in the spring to plant. She then got out her notebook and she wrote down all of the times that she was going to plant them, when it would work best, you know, where in the location in our little garden was she going to plant things. If my roommate chose to then keep those seeds in the seed box, would that do anything? Right? Now, I was actually just talking to somebody about this yesterday. Gardening and plants are very complicated. Lisa, you know this, right? Like you have to like, there's like zones and there's like indirect light, direct light and high light, but that's not the same as direct light. It's very complicated. If she decided to choose not to plant, what would have happened? We wouldn't have had any vegetables, right? Now, if she would have taken those seed packets and even just thrown them into our driveway, That would have been better than nothing because then at least they might have grown up in the little cracks. (laughs) You know, Uh, but instead we had like an awesome harvest. Um, I had so much butternut squash this summer. I I learned a lot of new recipes because of it. But the thing is, is if we choose to be like the slave and decide to just hide away because of fear of failure, nothing is going to happen. We're not, we're not going to do anything. It's just, we're just, all of like this, this uh, possibilities in our life are just going to stay as possibilities. Point number three is this. Laziness can cause you to choose comfort over complacency and complacency over a life of possibilities. Says in Matthew 25, 26, his master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. What's interesting is that the servant had a self fulfilling prophecy, right? He said, I was afraid that you would be upset if I messed up because I know how you are, so I didn't do it. And then, The master was upset because he didn't do it. (laughs) Self-fulfilling prophecy. Happens to us a lot, doesn't it? The other thing, which I think is interesting, is the servant removed himself from the equation. There's a lack of trust in himself, lack and trust of God. So he's like, instead of messing up, I'm just going to take myself out of the equation and bury it. Which I think is very interesting because... I remove myself from the equation a lot. Um, I decide that I'm going to, instead of choosing to exercise and get run a 5K, right, and run the whole thing. Instead of choosing to try, I just choose, well, maybe I won't know if I'm good enough or not if I just decide not to. Removing ourselves from the equation instead of trying protects ourselves And it makes it so God doesn't have an opportunity to move. So um, the other thing is that he just not only removed himself from the equation, but he disengaged. He decided that he was no longer going to uh, do anything. 
He could have just given it away to like, and put it in the bank and let interest, you know, come up and, and at least have like two cents to the bag of coin. Cause you know, if you put in a savings account, you don't get a lot of interest, right? Um, he could have done that and had two cents to give back, right? But he didn't, he didn't do anything. He completely disengaged and he decided instead of choosing to really look at himself and why he was so afraid that he was just gonna disengage from it. And he's like, I'm gonna remove my hands because then I won't have to deal with it. Could it be that he was lazy because he was unwilling to do the inner work needed not to be afraid? You see, fear limits us from receiving what God has for us. A lot of times I think that the reason that I'm afraid is because of fear of failure, right? But sometimes it goes deeper than that. Sometimes there is a belief that we have within ourselves and we're unwilling to do the hard work necessary to figure out what that belief is and replace it with the truth of God. And so because of that, we are unwilling to do that. We're lazy because we're like, I don't want to do the hard work. And one of the things I thought about throughout this whole thing is to me, when we step out, it's a step out in faith, right? We step out and we do God's will in faith. And sometimes we, we choose to like step out in faith without doing the hard inner work. And then it doesn't work out. And then we're like, why? And it's, bec it's because of this laziness too. He wants us to be and figure out who we are as a human, as well as doing. And there's, there's the being and the doing here that I think is really important that there's the dichotomy of if we just do our whole lives and we just do things, it's not gonna work out the way that God wants it to. And if we just be our whole lives, um, the reason I'm getting off in this tangent is because a book I read recently, so sorry. But if we just do, if we just, be our whole lives and we do nothing that's not helpful we have to learn as a community of faith how to do that deep inner work that healing those 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 wounds and traumas that are that shaped us from childhood that caused us to have the fear that we would mess up and that the master would be mad at us for doing that and figure out how to replace those with the truth of God and then as well as then deciding to go do it after we do that hard work and friends I think there's a lot of us in this room, including myself, who's really good at doing the deep inner work, but forget to actually do something with it. And maybe you're in the opposite. We are really good at doing the work, but you forget that like, you also have to do the deep inner work so that you can be successful in the work. Seizing God opportunities always requires us to do the deep inner work. The first point is this, playing it safe is risky. In Matthew 25, 28 through 30, it says, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, ev even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That while I was doing some research on this, um, one of the commentaries I read said something super interesting to me. It said, the servant's misconception of the master produced alienation, mistrust, fear, and then personal sloth. What if we decided that it was too scary to learn how to ride a bike? Well, do you guys know how to ride a bike? What if... We thought it was too scary to learn to drive. Would we have our license? 
What if we decided, what if Daniel decided to play it safe and not step out in faith? We alone wouldn't have these amazing stories of his faithfulness. But then where would that nation be right now if he hadn't done what he did? What if the founder of our denomination, Amy, decided to play it safe and decided not to step out? Did you know she was the first female radio person in California in the 20s? Isn't that incredible? What a trailblazer. She wouldn't have been a trailblazer though if she decided to play it safe and did what society told her was appropriate. What if Esther decided to play it safe and she chose to not confront the king? A lot of people would have died. Now granted, in the story of Esther, she was told by Mordecai, if you don't do it, someone else will, right? So God's providence is always his providence. But what I'm getting at is God wants each of us to be a part of his story. He wants each of us to be there in those moments. And it's our choice, which I think is so lovely that he gives us a choice to be a part or not. So friends, I just wanna urge you, let's all choose to be a part. If we wait until we're ready, until we have all the answers, until we have all the resources, we're just going to wait the rest of our lives. So that book that I went on that random tangent for is called um, The Deeply Formed Life by Rich Velotis. Rich Velotis is a pastor in New York, um, in Queens, and he, uh, I just, he's one of my favorite people to listen to, so he recently wrote this book, and I decided to sit down and read it. And in the book, it's towards the end of the book, he says something that I just popped out to me. It says, he said this, Jesus knows your problems, he knows your addictions, he knows your hangups, and he knows your failures. And in spite of that, you are invited into his mission. You see, friends, there's no limit to what God can do in you and through you as you put your faith into action. God is the God of possibility, and he wants to bring his possibility into your life. He removed, the servant removed himself from the equation. He decided instead of stepping out in faith, he's just gonna remove himself. And what, what happens happens and it's not gonna be his fault. He allowed himself to disengage from the outcome. But the beauty of it is God invited him and he invites us to be a part of his salvation plan. He has given us gifts and he has asked us to step into the next moment of development. Friends, he's inviting each of us to step into that next moment, that looking at your own life and and maybe the things that are underdeveloped within you, that you're like, I've been too afraid to step out in that way. I've been too afraid to talk to this person. I haven't developed this deep inner part of me that really needs to be developed before I can do that. He is calling you today to take that next step to do it. When I was a kid, I was very afraid of coming up and doing the altar call. You know, the, have you guys ever gotten that tight feeling in your chest where God's saying to you, go up there? And you're like, no way am I gonna do that? That sounds terrible. Uh, somebody told me once, which it's not like, there's no biblical foundation to this, but it, it helped me. It's, they said, just take that next step and God will take the steps following with you. And the thing is, is whether or not that's true, which I think God's always walking with us, what is true is when you take that step, everybody's now seeing you take the step. So it's going to force you, you know, because public shame to take more steps. 
But I want to tell you today that the first thing to do is to take that next step into the development God has called you to be in. A while back, you might have heard this story before, but I went um, to the ocean with a friend of mine and we um, got paddle boards. We did stand up paddle boarding. It's very fun if you haven't tried it. I love it. And we paddle boarded. We were in the um, like a water channel and we paddle boarded out into this part where it was like a no wake zone. No boats were going by and we just decided to sit and like just sit in this no wake zone for a while. We had a, we had a bit of time to kill. So we sat there and we were just talking and the goal was to stay in the wake zone so that we wouldn't get hit by a boat <laughs> and so or in the no wake zone. And one of the things that I found very interesting is I felt like I was sitting still, but I wasn't, I was drifting. I was drifting, we, I was using this boat as an anchor. He was just, I don't know why, but he was just chilling in the middle of this no wake zone and no one was in it, it was very interesting. But I used it as my anchor point and I watched as I slowly drifted one way. And I was like, I'm, I'm sitting still there. I'm not doing anything. But the thing is, not doing anything, something's happening. And you're drifting from that anchor point that God had. If you're taking those steps forward though, if you're, as in my story, paddling, you are doing something. You know, and God is asking us to do something. Our faith is in Him. He hasn't called us to be successful to build our own kingdoms. He hasn't called us to do any of that. He's called us to be faithful. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than not doing anything. Obedience is better. Let's sing this next song. Julia is gonna, and the team is going to lead us in. And I just wanna encourage you, it's called Give Me Faith, that you use this as a prayer to God to give you faith to see the things the way he sees them, that you have trust in him to do what he has called you to do.